for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, August 23rd, the eve of my birthday turning 71. Hard to believe how time flies. That's one guy said, if I know I was going to live this long, I'd take a better care of myself. Actually, I'm doing pretty good. We're feeling great. Got my trainers working my butt up, but we're doing well. We're so thrilled to have you be a part of the podcast. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is designed and content is for mortgage professionals, but we do have a lot of other people listening to it. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format. You can listen to anytime, anywhere. We're excited about today's hot topic. We've got Faith Howard Mooney. Vice President Member Engagement with a Mortgage Collaborative is going to be talking to us. We always do pre-calls when we have people on for the first time. And I enjoyed this conversation with Faith. Her energy, her excitement, her enthusiasm for what's going on at TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative, is infectious. So we're going to be talking in the Hot Topic segment, the power of the network. Who does TMC support and their current growth and some of the things going on there? A lot of really exciting things that they have going on. So stay tuned for the Hot Topic. We're a part of the Industry Syndicate. Please be a part of it. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. Also say a thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution and Digital Efficiency Document Prep technology that they use for receiving managing, storing, retrieving, delivering loan files in electronic documents that are completely paperless environment. Also, Lenders One, we were just last week at the Lenders One Summit, and it went really well. So good to get together with so many of our friends there at the Lenders One Summit. It was a very successful engagement. They're doing really well, and we're thrilled to be part of both of the co-ops. The focus of the co-op today is TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative, and we're proud to be part of both of them. And they're a nice complement to each other. We're members of both of them. A number of our clients are members of both of them. So you should be members, of course, in the MBA. That's number one. Be a member of each one or the other of the co-op or, like many, saying there's so much value in both, member of both. So check them out, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Glad to have them as a sponsor. Also, Accelerate. So thrilled to have Josh Friend and the team there at Accelerate, helping lenders close more loans through engaging better through borrowers and prospects. I've referred more people over to Josh, and they keep going, that guy is so smart when it comes to Consumer Direct. And it's more than just Consumer Direct. It's any engagement. I see it as Consumer Direct, but he quickly reminds me, Dave, it's a lot more. It's any our engagement. How he does that is really, really cool. Also, Knowledge Cube, our good friend Ken Perry in their learning management system, as well as Mobility MMI with their mortgage market intelligence, helping you find the top recruit top LOs, as well as Modex, which makes recruiting easy and transparent, both Modex and Mobility MMI, do a great job of not only looking for LOs, but also looking at where the action is, which realtors are selling what in your market. It's a great tool. And these are both great tools. And again, like TMC and Lenders One, we have a lot of our lenders saying, there's a nice compliment to these two. So we have both of them. We're thrilled to have both of them as sponsors. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, and Matt. And then, of course, we just are grateful that you, our listeners, are sharing this podcast. We're, uh, and you say that we're the number one podcast. We're just thrilled to have you. However we rank, we care about not that as much as 
providing great content for those that do listen. Well, let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst and listen to the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob, what you got for us? This is Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the U.S. Court of Appeals allowed the CDC's residential eviction ban to remain through October 3rd, 2021. MBA opposes any potential attempt to extend the CDC's eviction moratorium and continues to believe the ruling is not appropriate given the $46 billion in emergency rental assistance available. MBA will continue to follow developments regarding the eviction moratorium, including the likelihood of an appeal from the plaintiffs as well as any other challenges by state and federal courts. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 3.25%, and an estimated 1.6 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. We've got the MBA's annual conference coming up. If you're not registered, you need to get registered. And I'm saying that to myself because I haven't gotten registered yet. It's just like a procrastination. We all do that. But the early bird special is coming off here pretty quickly. So get signed up for the conference. We're looking forward to seeing you there in San Diego. It's going to be really, really well attended. A lot of people there. So thank you, Rob, for the mortgage minute. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and Less's music parody that has a macro view of the markets. Less TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Waiting for the break from Jay. Searching for something to trade. Last week, the moves in the dollar, copper, and oil suggested the Fed will taper late this year. So the financial world expects. Fed Chairman Jay Powell to confirm it in Jackson Hole Thursday. If he speaks like a dove, then look for bears to awake and reach 146 in the 10-year yield. If he meets expectations, then rates drop towards 1%. Regardless, watch the fireworks show when Jay speaks waiting for the break from Jay. Tapering or stick with more. These views are my own. Get more at tmspotlight.com. Oh, yeah. I like that music parody. That was a good one. That's actually fitting quite well. Be sure to check out Les Parker's TM Spotlight. Go over to tmspotlight.com. Subscribe for free to Les's newsletter if you use the word power for the um, power seller. So, anyway, good job, Les. Love that he and Gary Cantrabone team up. Each week, and I love that one. Brings back music from our era, Alan. But let's get to Matt Graham. We've actually referred to some of our listeners over there. That he says, Rise of Eeyore. Hello, Matt. Into the market. Matt Graham, founder, CEO of MBS <laughs> Live, with his market update. Matt, always love to have you here, man. Just kind of calm well, me down. Now I'm on a mission. I guess I, I need to sound more like Winnie the Pooh and something about the uh, honey and the piglet. I don't know. <laughs> I, if we're going to have anyone giving us market information, especially if there's volatility, we want the Eeyore of the world. Yeah, the market's just crashed. You know, we live through this, but yeah. the markets have not crashed. It will be. It will be. You're awesome. I love you. We're talking audience. Ted Joe Farr was contacted me over the weekend. He now moved out close to where I live in Marble Falls, and we're going to get together for dinner. He said to say hello to everyone. He says, but Matt, you're doing it great. Good to hear your voice. What you got for us today, Matt? Well, nothing very exciting, Dave. <laughs> uh, no, so. Coming into this week, we got to rewind real quick to a couple of weeks ago, really the beginning of the month, because all of the recent volatility or lack thereof was set up by NFT at the beginning of the month. Strong NFT yield rose. They also had an eye on supply in the following week, the treasury auctions, and a 
ton of corporate debt issuance, and that pushed yields higher heading into two weeks ago. Then that week ended, recall, with consumer sentiment missing expectations significantly, yields dropped precipitously relative to the recent sort of range, which is pretty narrow, and that brought us into last week. So ever since that consumer sentiment-driven rally beginning of last week, things have been very, very sideways. We saw our first real examples of sort of summertime quiet bond market trading with low volatility and light liquidity. Now, light liquidity doesn't always go hand in hand with low volatility. In fact, the more illiquid things are, the more things can move because you have fewer traders accounting for bigger percentage of the total market. So it's easier for them to sort of push things around if they're so inclined, but they really weren't last week. There was, if anything, a little bit of trepidation heading into the week's key event, which was the reading of the minutes previous Fed meeting. Talk more about that in a second. Do a quick data recap. But yeah, as Les alluded to, it is all about the Fed. But burning through the data really quick, retail sales missed early in the week, minus 1.1 versus a minus 0.3 forecast. But the contention was that some big trade desks and research firms had that number pegged even lower. And so there was a bit of a paradoxical reaction to retail sales and bonds did not rally. They sold off a little bit. Builder confidence dropped by 0.75 versus 80. And housing starts didn't really provide a bunch of justification for that. Starts and permits were mixed with starts missing expectations by just a bit and permits exceeding expectations by just a bit. Philly Fed can be a fairly important market mover at times. It came in lower than expected as well, 19.4 versus 23 forecast and 29, 21.9 previously. And then with us as always, jobless claims, 348 versus 363. So nothing really scintillating data front, and that helps reconcile the sideways momentum. Fed minutes. Also, nothing scintillating there. Markets were definitely waiting for it. Yields were rising into 2 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. And then the minutes came out and didn't really offer for anybody that has been paying attention to Fed speeches. We know there are several members that are vocal about wanting to taper quickly. We know there are a few other members that are vocal about needing to be patient and that the average Fed member is somewhere in between and increasingly cognizant of Delta and rising case counts as justification to remain on hold until they can see what's what. And that brings us to current, which is dominated by Fed Chair Powell's virtual appearance at Jackson Hole on Friday. Uh, the Jackson Hole Symposium historically has been a venue for the Fed Chair to do a little bit of a fireside chat and maybe give an indication of impending policy changes. It's been an on-again, off-again relationship with that historical tendency in the past few years. In fact, there was one year that there wasn't a Fed Chair speech, but this one is seen as a little bit more important, sort of getting back to that tradition, if you will, of this being a policy change hint. And one of the reasons for that is that Powell said that in the press conference that followed the meeting three weeks ago, somebody asked Powell in talking about, you know, tapering Jackson Hole. And he said, yes, I have a speech prepared for that and get more information or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was enough to make markets think, okay, he has something to say and he sort of already knows what it might include. And so that's why there has been some anticipation, trepidation, anxiety heading into this Friday because Traders are wondering, okay, is Powell going to jump on the tapering bandwagon, join some of his colleagues and saying, yeah, no, we really need to start thinking about pulling this back. And there's a 
really good chance it's going to be announced in September if all goes according to plan. That's like the most damaging thing he could say for the bond market. And I think based on the speeches that are out and everything else, that we can assume one of two things. If he does say that, it's not going to have a devastating effect or as devastating effect as it might seem based on our past experiences with the taper tantrum in 2013. The other thing is that Fed meeting happened almost a month ago now, and COVID case counts and deaths have doubled since then and are still on an upward trend. Based on the Fed minutes and the fact that they existed well before the COVID surge, I don't really think there's any way, based on what Powell has said previously, that the Fed is going to suddenly say, yeah, no, we really got a taper in September now. Because if anything, economic data plus COVID data has only made the outlook worse. If the jobs report early next month is just absolutely stellar, and if the inflation data is continuing to push boundaries, which it hasn't recently, it's been sort of leveling off, then they could end up announcing tapering in September. But I don't think Powell is going to come out and say they have the intention to do that. There's no way he does not make it contingent upon incoming data and upon you know, the COVID situation playing out in a certain way where it's not filtering through to the economy. And when that happens, I think that we're still going to see some volatility after it because traders are positioning for it as a tradable event, regardless of what the actual message is. I would advise my clients and our listeners to not get too wrapped up in the short-term volatility that it could create on Friday. It's going to be in a liquid time of day and week, and uh, it's really going to be about the following week, if we're going to assess any sort of major takeaway from uh, Chair Powell in virtual Jackson Hole. It's going to be really interesting how he positions his comments, because a lot of people are, like Les is saying in his, Mark, we could see some pretty interesting volatility one way or another. Yeah, and I agree with Les that we're in a middle ground and ready to move one direction or the other. I would just say that it might have less to do with what Powell says this Friday and more to do about the underlying factors that are going to lead the Fed to a certain decision in in September. And I think markets will front run that and they'll try to anticipate what the Fed's going to do. And the movement will largely take place even before the Fed meeting. But yeah, we are in a sideways, low range. We might make a stab down toward 1%. We could easily go to one point four, six or higher, depending on which version of reality. Yep. We shall see which version of reality. I love that. Very good. Great commentary. Good, good review. I love your website. I'm on it constantly. And uh, Joe Farr was actually saying, because he was with a competitor for a while, he says, actually, I really like Matt's website. Went there and looked at it a fair amount. So you got a lot of fans out there and love your style. So folks, the best part about this is you can get scribe, get a chance to use and have the extended trial period. That means you you get to use it for twice the normal period, and you do not have to put in a credit card, but that you do require to put in LOL for looking on lending. So good job, Matt. Love the screens. I love the data that you put out. I really enjoy your personality on the company. Good job, you are. I mean, Matt. No problem, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. We'll keep you on our thoughts and prayers as you get this back surgery done. So get feeling better. Get back. Hope to have you back next week. Get a report. Anyway, appreciate you so much, Matt. Thank you so much. All right, let's get over to Alice Alvey there in cooler country. Although we were up in Washington State, up above Matt there last week for some vacation. It was 103, and it was down in the 80s down here in Texas. What's going on? Do you have the heat up there as well? We do. We have the heat up here. And actually, I was out in Nashville over the weekend visiting my uh-huh. sister. Went to the Grand Old Opry. That was loads of fun. So happy birthday early. You know, mm. Happy birthday today, knowing it's tomorrow. But have a great birthday, Dave. 
Hopefully you have well, some fun things planned. We do. Dinner and all that sort of stuff. But I appreciate that. Thanks so much. By the way, Matt, it's going to be hard for me to get that visual out with Matt being Eeyore now. So that's <laughs> kind of funny. Matt is great. We love getting all the info from Matt. I agree. So anyway, my quick report, I've got two things to cover. First of all, in the NBA newsletter today about yes. decent, affordable safe mm-hmm. housing for all, the DASH Act. Now, the this Dash. is a resurrection of a previous bill when I went digging around a little bit from 2019, I believe. So this isn't new, but it is getting reintroduced, as they always have to do with a new session of Congress. And now this lays out housing credits for various things like rental assistance, uh, builders, landlords. So really focusing on credits for those who can encourage creating new housing opportunities for those who can't afford rent today. So uh, there's a lot of housing subsidy in here. The one that's related to the actual mortgage side of it would be a credit for first-time home buyers. So this would be a tax credit up to $15,000 with lots of other caveats designed for uh, lowered middle-income borrowers. And it would be refundable. You pay it back, kind of other event, like if you got out of the house within six years. Uh, But there are some extenuating circumstance events that would make you exempt. And so that's a a list worth checking out. But just wanted folks to know before, I'm not sure if it'll get legs, but at least right now it's back on the table for discussion. Hear about the DASH Act. Know that the only piece for us in it is a possible home buyer tax credit. The second thing that I've got to just pull up on my phone here so I can read it correctly. You may have heard, I believe last show, we talked a little bit about that Fannie Mae has announced the ability to look at the rental payment history through desktop underwrite. And the Urban Institute, so if you go to urban.org, they actually did a nice job of writing up how Fannie Mae will do this, right? So lenders saying, okay, great, but how do you know if the borrower has paid their rent on time? Do I have to be hooked up with a certain vendor, for example, in order to have this work? Ultimately, that answer is going to be yes, but here's a good description of how it works. So if DU finds that the loan is not eligible for sale for Fannie Mae, the system will now check if it's a first-time buyer and will go back and check for that 12-month history of the on-time rental payment. But in order to get that, Fannie Mae has to go to the lender. 12-month rent history isn't going to make a difference in the file. You're not going to see it as a condition. But if you've got your file correctly marked as a first-time home buyer, don't make that mistake. That could be right. an entry error one way or the other. Just get it right. If it truly is a first-time home buyer by Fannie's definition, then Fannie will come back, let you know that you can go ask the borrower to give permission for Fannie Mae to access the bank statement. After the borrower agrees to submit the information, then the lender will order an asset report from Fannie Mae's approved vendor. The vendor will send a text or email to the customer who then has sent the vendor access, and then the vendor will access the data and send the data to the lender and DU. So it's a little bit of a very different process from what we're used to dealing with. It's kind of like Fannie Mae's a little bit in the middle there to say, Yes, this will make a difference on the file or no, it won't. The lender cannot request the bank statements direct. They must order the bank statements through the Fannie approved vendor process that I described. So I thought that was interesting. Just wanted to give folks a quick heads up on how that works because it is available for all lenders and you'll start 
seeing it on your DU findings uh, shortly coming up. Yeah, so that's, that's my helpful. report for today, Dave. Back to Good you. For me. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Alice Alvey, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Mortgage. I did a of update. Thanks, Alice. Very good. Very helpful. You mentioned several times, Dave. How do I look into all of Alice's previous reports? Go to our website, lickinonlending.com, and then you'll see a drop down where it says podcast and uh, segments, and you'll see where Alice's are. And we put in each of her segments each week. So you'll be able to listen to it. They appear usually within a, a day or two after each podcast. So they should be stacked up in the appointment. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate it. Got Alan Pollock here with the tech update. How are you doing? How's your summer down in Florida? Oh, it's great. No complaints. Kids are back at school. The pressure for my oldest daughter coming a senior and oh. final SAT, ACTs and college searching and college tutor and SAT tutor. So we're getting there. Let me tell you, the college, and it only gets more and more expensive from here. Of course. Anyway, good to have you here. What's on the tech update, Three. friend? So first, happy birthday. I didn't realize your birthday was tomorrow, so congrats on that. So mm-hmm. let me start off with a couple of shower thoughts. I, I bummed into these over the weekend. Shower. I thought they were funny enough. Shower. Yeah. So, you know, in this industry especially, all industries, right, but thinking, what is the napkin roadmap? Or we've been in a bar at the end of a conference, and we're talking, and we're like, you know, it'd be great if our industry did this. Well, somebody at Google was like, yeah, let's just have a bunch of people get in cars and drive every single road in America, right? And mm-hmm. that idea probably seemed completely far-fetched. And it obviously worked. So that was one of the shower thoughts. The other one, get this one. Most people know so little that if they were transported 200 years in the past, they wouldn't be able to invent anything any quicker. And then the last one, during a nuclear explosion, there is a certain distance if the radius to make all of the frozen supermarket pizzas cooked to perfection couple of TGIM Monday laps. Yeah. Uh, I also noticed, which for all of us on Bluetooth meetings and our ears kind of get tired with the earbuds pushing your ear all day, yep. Verge, so mm-hmm. V-E-R-G-E.com. Mm-hmm. They have the Bose QC35-2 wireless headphones with $100 off today. So if you're on the right. market, you need to get some employees, some headphones, or you need them and you want the over-the-ear with the noise cancellation, go to Verge.com and right on their homepage, they have a link to these Bose wireless headphones. All right, let's talk about some fun stuff. Right. Really interesting, David, noticing a a number of property tech stuff happening around the industry that we're hearing more about. And this article was really kind of cool. It talked about the top things in property tech. And just to kind of give some alignment, a benchmark to where we are in the mortgage side of the process. Right. These are their top topics. BI for data management, volume, mobile users. How do you drive tomorrow's consumer that's all mobile, all searching with BI data to help fine tune the experience for them? They're talking about blockchain. Fraud, red tape, too many mediators to get a property and to get the data updated. Real-time data is needed up to date now. Remember back in the day, you'd be able to go to a supermarket and you'd see the, the, all the real estate listings in the printed magazine? That's yesterday's news at this point. Those don't work. So BI is a big deal. AI, how do you help find the right properties for the right people with that data? How do you better manage property? How do you serve a better experience? And what's data analysis going to provide? Virtual augmented reality, the next one, which obviously become a huge thing during the pandemic. And the last one that was on their list that I thought was interesting was smart homes. So the Internet of Things, IoT. So property tech is focused on that. I did not see a lot about pre-approval. I saw more about engaging and speaking to the audience than I did about being able to afford a mortgage. 
All right, moving on. Mortgage Collaborative. Well, $2.2 million in a Series A to Home Lending Pal. This is their second investment, by the way. They're going to be helping Lending Pal gear up for a larger Series A, as I read in the press release. And, you know, the best thing about this, right, is Lending Pal and anyone that the Mortgage Collaborative was to invest in, they get access to the information, the crowdsourcing of ideas, the ability to test with lenders, to have the best tech partners. Such a fantastic thing that the Mortgage Collaborative is doing. So you want to check that out if you don't know about Home Lending Pal. Also want to Google them. They've already raised $3.5 million. Their digital mortgage advising platform, it helps borrowers find homes and mortgage options, especially minorities and millennials, and they're able to do that without the human biases of age, sex, and race. So important in today's time. David, Inc. 5000, what an amazing accomplishment. We have many companies in the mortgage industry that made it. I've only written down a few for today. One is one that I'm extremely proud of because I work there, Open Close. Our friend Lori Brewer at LBA Ware, Maxwell, Digital Mortgage Platform, and many others made the Inc. 5000 list. It is not easy to make. Yes, you apply for these things, but you also need the numbers and the growth and the ability to prove that you're legitimate to do that. And so a lot of great companies made this accomplishment. So congrats to all that have done that. David, figure. We all know figure, right? Figure it out. Homebridge Financial. Figure merge. We talk about that, right? Well, they just did a deal with Sagent for blockchain and servicing. Sagent will now power Figure's mortgage servicing tech for blockchain. What's really, really interesting, the next step, where do we go with blockchain, right? So what that's really talked about is we'll also begin bringing scale mortgage assets into the Providence blockchain, that's the name of their blockchain platform, to reduce mortgage industry costs by up to 100 basis points from origination through securitization. Mike Cagney said that. Remember the ex-founder and yep. co-founder of SoFi? Mm-hmm. And now he's the, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Figure. And by the way, Figure is now at a $3.2 billion valuation. So Mike Cagney said, expect more acquisitions and more growth. And just back on prior weeks, David, we've talked a lot about all the active consolidation of tech vendors and different things going on. It's going to continue. I'm going to mention one last thing. Housing Wire had an awesome exclusive article about rocket companies and their plans to transcend mortgage. Not that they haven't already been a staple in new things. Uh, you want to check it out. They talk about the ownership over so much of the process and where they're going next. I won't give it all away. Just go Google it. Housing Wire does an amazing job at their exclusives. You want to go check it out. And next week, David, we're going to talk about what the pandemic has done to the landscape of mortgage lending. Otherwise, mm. thank God it's Monday. Look forward to our hot profits. TGIM. Good job. Alan, appreciate it so much. For those of you that want to connect with Alan, email him at alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com. Alan, that's a great report. Good stuff. Already got uh, that one website. I'm going to go check out those Bose headphones. I was looking for that. That's the first time I think you've ever given where to go buy some cool equipment. Okay, folks, that wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update. Next week, we're going to have Stephen Cooley joining us, Art versus Math Company, and he is going to be talking about marketing business intelligence. I talked to him. I recorded this interview last week, and there's a lot of wisdom in Stephen. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders, as well as Lenders One, TMC. We're so grateful for all of these partners, as well as Mobility, MMI, Modex, there's so many others. Take a look at our sponsorship page, and we're grateful to have you. we got some new ones. SnapDocs is coming on, going to be a partner with us and a sponsor, so I'm excited about the upcoming sponsors that are joining the list of sponsors we already have. Have a great week, everybody. Be sure to check out the podcast website. Forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.